Well, last week we looked, uh, we talked about the women this week, and you know, I was sitting in the back um, uh, helping with the, with the sound, and I'm, you know, there wasn't many husbands here, and I'm going, oh no, but the, gradually they kind of like slowly, you know, slinked in, and uh, oh, maybe they're drug. None of those words make sense, Barbara, I know. She will help me with these words. You know, um, I'm somewhat, I have a confession to make. Um, I'm somewhat of a yard sale fanatic. Um, it's kind of a compulsion. You know, I'll tell myself, no, I'm not going to go. I just, I'm not going to go. I got too much to do. I, I don't have time. I won't go. And then Saturday morning comes around, and it's like, it's like I start breathing, like hyperventilating. And so, uh, usually I go. We, we've got like a little area that we, I don't go beyond this particular area because I know you can just, you could be out there all day long, right? And Saturday is like a work day for me, so I need to work. So, you know, I'm like, and then I'm out there and I'm hyperventilating because I know I got so much work to do, I got to get home and work. And so it's like, I can't win. And uh, anyways, uh, yesterday it's starting to get to be where they have yard sales again, right? And so we saw this one um, listed, it said East Greenwich. It was sort of outside, we thought it was just outside of our area, because we only go to like Division Street. And, uh, <laughs> and so we, uh, we looked it up, and you know, we're, you know, Nicola's got her kids in the car already, and, and the kids go too, and Paula goes, I go. And so we, we uh, you know, they're already out in the car, and I'm going... And so I look it up, and I go, wow, it's kind of far out there. It's way out, you know, kind of out there, but it, I didn't know how far out. So I said, okay, we'll go. So we get in, in the car, and we're just driving and driving and driving. And, you know, I've been around in, East, in, in Rhode Island for a long time. It's like I almost needed an overnight bag <laughs> to get to this yard sale. And I, this is like you have to go to this yard sale, you know, and so we're driving and driving and driving, we're out in the countryside, we're out and there's like animals and, you know, there's like, what do you, because we had stopped at this one like close by and it was, it was like a feeding frenzy, it was like an estate sale, it was a feeding frenzy and I looked in and I go, I got to get out of here, I hate those kind of sales, just too com- competitive. So we figured, well, way out here, there's going to be nobody. And, you know, that was true. We got out there, and there was nobody there. And then, I'm giving you all my secrets away now, but but we we have what we call, um, uh, we we categorize the different sales, right? And and some of them we call gold-plated, gold-plated yard sales. That means when you get there, the prices, they think that everything they have is gold-plated because the prices are so high. And I've tried to have discussions with people and tell them, listen, the idea is to get rid of this stuff, okay? So you need to work with people here on, the, on your price. So I am going somewhere with this, by the way. So we get there, and, and uh, the first thing we saw this, you know, chair is one of the things I wanted to look at, this, like, recliner chair, right? And we get there, and there's a price of $225 on it. Look. So I, I, I went to Nikolai and went like this. Like, you know, as soon as we got there, we knew. And so, so we're there. We're just, you know, like we'd, we'd driven so far. Like you got to spend some time looking at this stuff because if you 
you know, Tiki, you know, I need to take a nap before I could leave. So, but anyways, we did all that and we bought, you know, one stuffed animal for like $100. <laughs> Well, it wasn't quite that, but... And then the lady felt bad because the other two didn't get one, so she came running out and gave, gave them one, too. So we got three stuffed animals for a dollar. <laughs> so, anyways, so, you know, it's like, okay, we got to get out of here, and, like, we got a long drive home, and, and so, you know, you know, strapping the kids in the car and all that stuff, and I'm driving. It's Nicholas' car. She's in the front seat. And, uh, and so... I said, we got to get out of here. So I start to take off. But there was only one problem. My wife wasn't even really in the car. She was halfway in the car with the door open, the sliding door in the back. And like she, I almost could have like ran her over. She could have fell and, you know, and everything. And she calls out, wait. And I said, ooh, sorry. So the point of this story is, is that I really wasn't paying a lot of attention, now was I? And I don't, if you had asked her at that minute, do you love me? Do you love me? Uh, if I asked her, do I love you at that moment, guess what her answer would have been? <laughs> sure have a funny way of showing it. <laughs> so... Wives and husbands, we're going to get to the husbands, and I, from the beginning, I include myself in everything that's said here about husbands, and, and uh, it's been almost 35 years, and I have got so much more to learn, but, but we want to see what God has to say about it. Uh, a quote I want to re-quote from last week, uh, someone said this, it's tragic to realize that in the church, there are constant marital difficulties. Christian mates ought to be among the happiest of people on the face of the planet. Why? Because God gave marriage, first institution that he gave us way back in Genesis. And, and then he gives us instructions about how to, how to make it work. And so to do it God's way, if we did it his way according to his plan and we trusted him, we, Christian marriage should be the happiest institution. I know you like me to use that word institution for this thing we call marriage. Let's look at Colossians 3. Uh, verses 18 and 19. You know, um, I think my Bible is out in the lobby. Can, can you check, Norman? It's a big green one. Um, it's got large print. <clears throat> I meant to find it earlier. Colossians 3, verses 18 and 19. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Thank you. Husbands, do not love your, wife, uh, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Oops. That's what they call the Freudian slip. I'll blame it on being distracted. but So, wives and husbands both have different roles we're, we're equal, but there's like a different roles and different structure that God has ordained. Wives, you need to do what God's called you to do and not give in to fear like we heard. And I, and I got a lot of feedback that, uh, that Paula had a lot of good things to say. And, and uh, 
you know, but, but the idea is not to give in to fear, but rather trust and to be wise. Proverbs chapter 14 says, The wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands the foolish one tears hers down. So you wives have a lot of power. You can do a lot of good. You can build up the house or you can tear it down with your own hands. But my challenge to you is to see what God will do with that man. See what God will do with that man as you do what God wants to do with you. There was a woman who went to the police station with her next-door neighbor to report that her husband was missing. And the policeman asked for a description, and she said this, he's 45, 6 foot 3, blue eyes, blonde hair, athletic, soft-spoken, and he's good to the children. And the neighbor protested, your husband is 5 foot 3, chubby, bald, has a big mouth, and he's mean to your children. And the wife replied, who wants him back? Ouch. Husbands, love your wives, and, and the, the challenge is to be the one that they want back, not the one they want missing, to be the one they want back. One commentator said that this uh, whole context is a context of love, of, the, you know, of, of which... The wives must be the object. Husband love, husbands love your wives. I have to say, and I, I you know, I, just from experience and, and knowing even myself that men, we can be thick, we can be insensitive, we can be selfish, and we can be very proud. Any of those, any more that I missed? As if that wasn't enough, it's just, that's just who we are. And I'm and speaking now in the context of a marriage relationship. Husbands, we need to wake up and we need to love our wives. This is our chance. This is our chance. Turn back with me to uh, the book of Proverbs. I've been reading uh, like a proverb a day along with uh, uh, my regular reading uh, for a while now, and, and there's just a lot, to, a lot of good stuff in there. But Proverbs chapter 18, I want to look at a few, uh, just read a few verses in Proverbs, Proverbs 18.22, I think, husbands, we need to realize this is what God says. He says this, 18.22, he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. You see that? See what he's saying? We, we need to understand we have gotten a good thing. God has given us something good and, and it's favor or grace from the Lord. How about uh, Proverbs chapter 30? And uh, interesting, uh, this translation brings this out. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 21 and 20 through 23. Maybe you never saw this before. Verse 21, under three things the earth trembles. Under four, it cannot bear up. Get this now, four things. A servant who becomes king, a fool who is full of food, an unloved woman who is married, and a maid servant who displaces her mistress. See what he says here? 
an unloved woman who is married. It says the earth under, under, under these things, the earth trembles under four, it cannot bear up. That's pretty serious, isn't it? An unloved woman who is married. God's calling us to something else than that. Husbands, love your wives. Love your own wives. Let's turn back to Colossians chapter 3. Husbands, love your wives, your own wives. And I think the deal is for us, and I, I saw someone teaching about this uh, recently, and what he says is we need to, we need to stop dating. In other words, this is your wife, your only wife. I only have one wife. And uh, Proverbs says, drink water from your own cistern. Don't go out, he says. Let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. So there's joy there, but it's, it's a focus and some of the passage about leadership in the church talk about being the husband of one wife. And, and a better translation, I think, of that is to be a one-woman man. A one-woman man. So it's this idea of a, a singular focus. Notice that word that he says there, this agape love. Husbands, love your wives. And do not be harsh with them. You know, I, I, I was thinking about this again this morning, and, and I think at the very end we need to understand and we need to ask God to help us to do this because it's agape love he's talking about here. And, and for us as human beings, for us to do these things in the natural, it's just not natural for us to be having agape love. Agape love is a God kind of love, a very unselfish, uh, unself-centered love. As if you didn't know these words, let me quote some from 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. And, and husbands, we need to ask ourselves, put our names in here, am I? Love is kind, am I? It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. That is a challenge, isn't it? God help us. God help us to do that, to be like that. There was a researcher, I, I, I read this at, at the University of Wisconsin, and she said that, uh, that nearly half the married men in America, I don't know how she got this, but it's interesting, nearly half the married men in America are emotionally divorced from their wives. Like I said, I don't know how she got that information, but I think there's probably some truth to it. Emotionally divorced already, you live together. He says, husbands, love your wives and don't be harsh with them. And, and uh, you know, this is something I think that, that I know, that we can just be mean. We can be harsh. We can be bitter, some of the translations say. And we can just, we think we're just tough. Well, you know what? There's no place for that. 
How many times have you and I guys, you know, we just, uh, you know, we just said it, you know, just say it like it is kind of thing, and we're not being sensitive. We're just being harsh. It's just unacceptable, of course, in, in our society. We see it over and over again that it even goes further to physical uh, violence. Totally and completely, absolutely unacceptable. How hard is it to be nice? You know, and again, this is for me too. I, I say mean things and, I, and then, you know what, but when you do, you need to repent. And repent means turn and change. And, and I need to repent and I need to turn and say, listen, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I said it like that. I'm sorry I said it at all. I'm sorry I, you know, wasn't nice to you. Maybe it needed to be said, but can you say it in a nice way? It's getting awfully quiet in here. I'll tell you what. Husbands, love your wives. Love your own wives and don't be harsh with them. Let's look at the other two passages we did with the girls, so we need to do it for ourselves as well. Let's turn back to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, we know where these passages are. Uh, Colossians 3, Ephesians 5, and 1 Peter chapter 3. So the second of the, of the two passages, Ephesians chapter 5, we looked at... Um, the wise portion already, although I want to just read one part of it in verse 23. It says, The husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. And then verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. See that idea of being a Savior? It's like... Uh, it, but it was the sacrifice that was for the wife. Jesus gave his life for the church. He gave his, himself up completely and totally. He was the, the Savior. And we're, we're not like the king of the, of the family. He says we're to be like the Savior. We're to be like Jesus where he gave himself up for the wife. This is impossible, guys. I know that. But this is what God calls us to do. And if God calls us to do it, God will always help us to do what he calls us to do if we ask him to, if we surrender to him. The uh, NIV study Bible said to give oneself up to death for the beloved is a more extreme expression of devotion than the wife is called to make. Now, you wives may disagree with me that, but with what they say here, and I, but I think that's true. It, it, it's actually the... It's hard. You've got to give yourself up completely. Maybe to, to be a wife that submits to your husband, it, it's the same kind of thing in a different sort of way, but uh, you've got to give up your life, guys. Give up yourself and what you want. It's not like I'm king and I get whatever I want. Someone said if it means putting his wife's needs before his own. If a husband gives this kind of love, submission will be joyous and free. If a husband gives this kind of love, putting his wife, wife's need, needs before his own. Verse 26, it says, To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. This speaks to me about the spiritual responsibility. Not preaching at her. But leading the family and, and to the word of God, to fellowship, to prayer. Uh, you know, 
I, I've heard many women express a desire that their husbands would be spiritual leaders. We need to be the spiritual leader. We don't, we don't need, uh, you know, to, to uh, give up that role that God's called us to be and do. Spiritual responsibility. In the end, you know what? God is going to hold us accountable and responsible. He's going to say, what did you do? How did you do it? Did you follow? Did you lead your family? Did you, did you lead the family in your marriage to the throne of God in, in, a, in a, a house that uh, believed in the word of God and followed after Jesus Christ and it was consistent in and out, in church and outside of church, cleansing or the washing with water through the word? Verse 27, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. That's kind of an interesting verse, isn't it? Present her to himself. In other words, in other words, it comes back to us. How we treat our wives comes back to us. It comes right, it's like a boomerang. I've never really thrown a boomerang. I just like saying the word. <laughs> but, but it's supposed to, if it works, you throw it out there and it's supposed to come back to you if you do it right. Well, the fact of the matter here is it doesn't matter whether you do it right or if you do it wrong, it comes back to us. Whether it's good or whether it's bad, it's going to come back to us and, and present her to himself. But rather it'd be like this. I remember uh, years ago, right after we first got married, um, there was a book, and it's probably still out there. It's called, the title was, Do Yourself a Favor, Love Your Wives. Do yourself a favor, love your wives. So the more love we give them to make them radiant, we can make them radiant by how we treat them. Or we can make them pretty dull by how we treat them. They can just shut down, shut off, and, and, and some of you know what I'm talking about. Verse 28 in this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and he cares for it. Just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. We're pretty good at taking care of ourselves. We make sure we get the biggest portion at dinner. You know, we got everything we need. What about, what about what she needs? He who loves his wife loves himself. The more we love our wives, the more we love ourselves, the more we take care of them. The, again, it comes back to us. No one ever hated his own body. He feeds it and cares for it. You spend time in front of the mirror. You know, I got to get my hair just right before I come to church on Sunday. We spend time getting ourselves ready, picking out our clothes or whatever. We, and we spend no time thinking about the needs of our spouse, our wife. I want to tell you, though, that, that the rewards comes back, come back to us if we, if we do what we're supposed to do. The, the rewards will come back to us. We'll go, wow, she's like treating me nice. Wow, she like 
smiles when I come in the room. She didn't used to do that. Wow. You see what I'm saying? It comes, the way we treat her comes back to us. Verse 31. For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one. The two will become one flesh. Again, from Genesis chapter 2, going very right back to the beginning, the beginning, the two becoming one. And it kind of makes sense. If the two are one and, and you mistreat or I mistreat the other half, if we're one, I'm hurting who? I'm hurting myself. I'm hurting us. I wonder about this part, though, sometimes about leaving family. Sometimes that becomes a problem, doesn't it? Where your family becomes more important than her. We, didn't, we moved too far away from uh, our family to kind of let them be too involved, although you can still do it now by telephone and every other way, but, but um, your family... Your family that you left, you need to understand, and you and I need to believe this, that the family that we just created is now the number one family, numero uno family. We have a wider family, but we have the, this family is the most important family. This is our family now. Yeah, we came from that family, but, but this is our family now. And we're responsible for it. Verse Uh, 32 and 33, some of you have this look on your face. This is a profound mystery. (laughs) It can be a mystery, but he says, I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Kind of a summary there. Do what God says. We don't need to read 1,700 books about marriage. And there are probably at least that many out there, Christian books. Not that reading them is bad, and I'm sure they have a lot of good insights in that, but if they don't point us back to what the Bible says, what we need to do and be, I mean, why do you... It's almost like we need to read all those other books because we can't really put... You know, we're afraid to put this into practice, into action. That's too hard, so I'm going to go read a book which, you know, will you know, tell me some psychological principle to try to, you know, um, do or be or whatever. Forget about that. What does it say right here? Again, it's not that we don't know what to do. It's we don't do what we know. Each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself. If we gave them just some of the attention and love and, and, and uh, preoccupation that we have with ourselves and what I want and what I think and what I... If we gave them just a portion of that even, we would see fruit and results in that. can be a mystery, but with God's help, we can do it. One more verse, guys. One more verse, 1 Peter chapter 3. Let's turn back there. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Boy, this message is going by really fast. 
And you guys are going, yes. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. First thing he talks about is living together. But what I have seen and what I have experienced as well is that you can live together, but not you can, you can share an address, but not really live together. You can be in the same house and have completely different worlds, completely different, whole different existences. He says, live together. This is a partnership. This is a, a unity. We did, years and years ago, after we first came to New England, we, we went and we were asked to go to a, a marriage uh, conference with Calvary Chapel Boston, and I, and I did a session, and I, I came up with this, uh, this uh, idea from this verse here. And in the King James Version, it says, Dwell with them according to knowledge, which means live. Dwell or live with them according to knowledge. And I thought, well, that's kind of important to dwell with them according to knowledge, but you need to get the knowledge, right? You need to have knowledge. You either have knowledge or you have ignorance, right? Live with her according to ignorance. That, that just doesn't work very well, right? Dwell with her according to ignorance. That's pretty much what a lot, we do a lot of the time. We're pretty much ignorant. And so I came up with this um, word, and the word is plod. And when, when I said that down there, you know, being from Boston, you know, they thought I said applaud. I said plod. They said, oh. <laughs> no, plod. P-L-O-D. And each, you know, each letter, what's that word when each letter means something? Acronym, there you go. Um, so, so this is it, guys. And I, I want you to hear, if you, if you don't hear anything, this idea of plod, P-L-O-D. Number one, pay attention. Number one, we got to pay attention. We're so busy with our careers and our, our hobbies and our sports and our, you know, yard sales and everything else. We're just not paying attention. I was not paying attention. And it could have been disastrous. You know, it was kind of funny, but it was kind of not funny. <laughs> you know, she was sort of halfway in and halfway out. And I started pulling out because I had to get out of there. Pay attention. Got to pay attention. Don't pay attention, or you're going to be ignorant. Second one, can anybody tell me what it is? L. Huh? Listen. Listen. That is a big one there. Listen. You got to listen. And it's hard, you know? It's, it is hard. I remember we had a guest speaker years ago, and some of you that were here at, at our couple's banquet, and he talked about this, this Dave Therian. And uh, he talked about, you know, 
how men and women kind of communicate differently and, you know, the, the, the women's, voca- you know, women's uh, word count is like much higher than the guys. And, and so the guys, the, the women, you know, they're giving you all the details out there. The plane is going around and around. And he says, he says finally, you just, you know, go, well, you just land the plane. Get to the point kind of thing. And, uh, you know, it's hard sometimes, I know. And I'm thinking that in my head sometimes. Land the plane. Please land the plane. I'm trying to listen, but, you know, i got to go somewhere. i got to be at work. i got to go do this. You know, i got to check my email. You know, all the important things we think we need to do. You know, this is really a good part in the show right now. Can you just hold that thought? Listen, we got to be able to listen, and and there really isn't much else that's as as important than to be able to listen to our wives, and it's a skill, and we got to learn how to do it if we can't do it. Listen. These three things kind of all tie together. How about the O? Observe. Observe. You already heard this before, someone. Who said observe? You, you heard me say that. Observe. That means you got to watch. You got to pay attention and you got to watch, observe. Well, how does she react? How does she, you know, how does she work in different situations? What, how does she tick and what makes her happy and what makes her sad and, and what things are like a problem? You know, my. I, I, I observed something years ago. I was putting pressure on her to do something with her family. And, and uh, we would be there. We'd go up and visit for the weekend or whatever. And, you know, it was like when it was time to go, it's like she, could, she couldn't say, okay, we got to be going now. She just, for whatever reason, she couldn't say that to her, her family. And uh, so, you know, I'm putting pressure on her. you got to tell them we're leaving now, you know. And I'm getting all harsh and mean. <laughs> Don't laugh. You make me laugh. But finally, I observed this long enough where finally it struck me like she just can't, she can't do that. That she's uncomfortable doing that. And so I said, well, to myself, well, why don't I just do it? <laughs> Ding, the light goes on. So I, you know, just very casual. So, okay, we're, we, we have to be going now. We're going we're gonna to pack up and go now. And it just took care of the problem. We never had that problem again. And I never got on, had to get on her case, and, and, and wrongly so. You see, but if I hadn't been observing to see, I never, would have, I never would have learned anything. I never would have done what I needed to do. So the D is what? Duh. No. <laughs> no, I just made that up. What's the, what's the D? We got to have some fun, right, with marriage. What is it? No. What? <laughs> Dull. <laughs> Dunce. We can think of a lot of D words. No. Uh, it's from the passage. It's simple. Keep it simple. Dwell. Dwell. Well, from the King James Version, remember? <laughs> Dwell with her according to knowledge. Dwell with her according to knowledge. Um, so you pay attention, you listen, you observe, and then, 
But then you need to do something about that knowledge. Now you're no longer ignorant. I'm no longer ignorant. And then you dwell with her according to what you learn, according to the knowledge. That's why the other version says in an understanding way because you understand her and now you live with her according to the knowledge and the understanding that you have about her. Specifically, your own wife, not, uh, you know, not other people out there about this specific woman, this one woman who's different than any other woman. Dwell according to that knowledge. P-L-O-D, plod. Look that up in the dictionary. It means keep going. And it has kind of this idea of slow, you know, continuous kind of motion. You're plodding along, right? You're just, you're not giving up. You're going forward. You're a plodder. You just keep going. And, and, and that's the kind of wife that, or that's the kind of husband that the wife is going to want back. And if you go missing, she's going to freak out instead of, you know, come up with a list of what she really might want. Warren Wiersbe, he, you know, in talking to couples, uh, he, he would give them each like pads, right, to write on. And then he would say, write three things that the other person likes doing. And, you know, the woman, she would just start writing right away. You know, she'd have her three things. And the husband's going, hmm. like, hmm. golf? No. Um, hmm. Fishing? No. You get the point. He goes on to say, ignorance is dangerous in any area of life, but it is especially dangerous in marriage. And a Christian husband, he says, needs to know his wife's moods, feelings, needs, fears, and hopes. He needs to listen with his heart. How can a husband show consideration for his wife if he does not understand her needs or problems? And this is an interesting uh, uh, quote from him as well. He says, the husband must be the thermostat in the home, setting the emotional and spiritual temp temperature. The wife often is the thermometer, letting him know what the temperature is. That's interesting. <laughs> See, there's a responsibility of the man, but, you know, that's why it comes back to you. If you're, if you're, if you're not taking care of the surroundings in that home and, and you wonder why your wife is like blowing up, well, you need to go look in the mirror. I need to go look in the mirror. I'm not saying that our wives are perfect, guys, and don't you know, misunderstand that, but, but you know, I'm talking about our responsibility. If we try, we'll learn. Plod. Treat them with respect, he says here, as the weaker, as the weaker partner. Now, does that mean weaker in every way? No, I think it's, you know... Primarily weaker in a in a, a physical sense, physically they can't do all the things. So, so we need to understand that. Help carry in the stuff. You know, we expect them to do all these things, and we're supposed to be the stronger ones. I read this, and it's kind of interesting that he said, you know, there there there's a coffee mug, right? It's worth probably 20 cents, and he says, I can bang it, I can drop it, I can be rough with it. You know, that your favorite coffee mug, you know, NASCAR written on the side or whatever, and, and nothing can destroy that thing. 
You can do whatever you want with it. And then he says there, and then there's a, a Laura Ashley teacup that costs $25 if you buy it in a set. He says it's the weaker of the two vessels. If I bang it around very much, I could chip it easily. It's more easily damaged, but the more valuable of the two. He says men can be rough with each other. Hey, gained a few pounds there, didn't you? And guys just slough it off. Yeah, man. He says, but you say that to your wife and you'll find out she's not made the same way. <laughs> she's more easily damaged. So you have to be respectful of your wife as the weaker vessel and treat her with tenderness and understanding. Guys and girls are different. Yeah, we, we, we know that. We get that. But think of that, that very valuable teacup that needs to be taken carefully. Care- taken care of and, and handled carefully. Again, Warren Wiersbe said this, Chivalry may be dead, but every husband must be knight in shining armor who treats his wife like a princess. And I will add that that's not just before marriage. That's usually what happens. Man, we're treating them like, whoa, to win them, and then we get married, and then it's like, okay, I don't need to do that anymore. Wrong. The, the famous preacher, um, Billy Sunday, any ever, ever heard of him? Uh, he, said, <clears throat> he said this, try praising your wife even if it does frighten her at first. <laughs> try. Try loving your wife, even if it does frighten her at first. Try holding the door for her. Try thinking about her and caring about what she might need. You might scare her at first. Heirs together, we're equals in God's salvation. We're heirs together of the gracious gift of life. He says, and the last thing is a warning. He says, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. He ends with a warning. that not doing what God wants us to do will actually hinder our prayers. Did you get that? Treating our wives badly and then going to church and, you know, we're, we're you know, praying and we're, you know, well, God's just going like, I can't, I can't really hear you. I can't really hear you because what I'm hearing is what's going on between you and your spouse, your wife. Your prayers are being hindered. Treat them with respect. As the weaker partner is heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. I want God to hear me when I pray. So I better listen to my wife. I better pay attention and I better observe and I better dwell with her according to knowledge. Again, can we do it? No. But will God help us to do it? Yes. Let's uh, turn back to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. We will close there. Ecclesiastes, right after the book of Proverbs, you say, well, Solomon had like 700 wives and 300 concubines. 
And, you know, Solomon was completely out of control. I heard uh, uh, Ravi Zacharias talking about him on the way here this morning. You know, he, 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 he was completely out of control. And, you know, but God had given him a lot of wisdom. That's why you can look at this and you can read this and understand the wisdom. And, and he really blew it. But let me say this before we read this. At the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, he says, you know what? All the rest of it, I, I've tried it all. I've done it all. I've, I've experienced everything. But you know what really matters? He says the end of the matter is to fear God and keep his commandments. That's the whole duty of man, he says. To fear God, be in a right relationship with the Almighty God and do what he says. In marriage, we do what he says. But look at verses 9 and 10. Chapter 9, verses 9 and 10, he says, Enjoy life with your wife whom you love. All the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, for in the grave where you are going there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love. You know, a lot of the rest of it is all pretty meaningless, but you can find some joy in it. It's in the relationship that God has given to us. Can you laugh together? Can you have some kind of joy together? But the, the, last, the last verse there, verse 10, he says, do it now because you, you're not going to be able to do it later. Do it now. Do it now. Try these things now. Ask God for help now. Do it now while you can. Too many times, you know, marriages, they, they blow up. And then they say, oh, I, I, you know, I wish I would have done this, or I, you know, maybe I can try it now. Well, you know, in, in some cases, it's, they're already blown up. Do it now while you can, while, you're, while you have the opportunity. Maybe, just maybe, you came here this morning and, and, and you had a, a rough ride over well, maybe you need to find your wife and say, I, I'm sorry for, for being harsh. And we need to like pray together and ask God to help us to, 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 to do it His way. And, and I, I want to pray that God would help me to be a better husband, to be a, a husband that loves his wife as Christ loves the church. And I, I, I am a failure. I, I, I am completely uh, unable to do that. But, but I just want to, I want to confess that I want to try. And I want God's help to help me do that. Can we do that? Let's pray together, shall we? Father God, we um, come before you because your word is like so far above us that we just need your, your power, your help, your spirit, your strength, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us to be the, the godly men and the godly women that you've called us to be. We pray, I pray here for each, each one of us, Lord, that we would be what God's called us to be and, what, and to do what God has called us to do, to husbands, for us husbands to love our wives, to dwell with them according to knowledge, to love them as we love ourselves. 
to make them radiant. God, help us to do that, Lord. We, we confess our, our shortcomings. We can't. We're, we're just unable. But you are able to do it and to help us to do it. Father, I pray for the marriages here that are represented here today, that you would, that you would uh, help each one, help each one of our marriages, Lord, that it would become strong and, and uh, a witness to the world of what a Christian marriage can be, what a home with Christ in the middle can be, where there's a threefold cord and Christ is in the middle. We need your help for that, Lord. God, we pray that you would help each one, husbands and wives, to be what you've called us to be. I pray for the unmarried people here today as well, Lord. They've been listening and going, wow, that doesn't really apply to me. And, and maybe it doesn't now, but maybe it will one day. I pray that they would store up these things in their hearts and minds. And maybe even to minister to other couples that they know. And to pray for other couples. Father, I pray too uh, this morning for each one of us to, to truly have a walk with you and a, a relationship with you that we would walk knowing you as the Lord and Savior of our lives and that we would follow you all the days of our lives. I pray here this morning for any that maybe are here and do not know you. I pray that that they would have an opportunity right now to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and as Savior of their lives that would make all the difference in their lives and even in their marriages if they're married. It's very simple. Just trust Him. Come to Him and say, Lord, I'm lost without a Savior. I need a Savior. I need Jesus. And I ask you to come into my heart and come into my life and be my Lord and to be my Savior today here. In Jesus' name. Let's stand together and sing.